0: SportsGrid.com, betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering, real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Rise and shine, sports fans. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood, Monday, September 14th. Let's cock a doodle do it. This is the early line right here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez, and with me, as always, I got my man Kevin, the Candle Burner Walsh. And after a Week One, Kevin feels like we were all burning the candle on both ends, trying to decipher what would happen, and then you and I trying to make meaning of what did happen, so we could bring it to the people here on Sports Grid. I thought it was a pretty interesting Week One. We saw rookies out there performing. We saw favorites go seven and six. We saw the over go seven and six. So a slight lean to the favorites in week one, a slight lean to the over within week one with two games still left to play here on Monday night football. So I guess technically those could still switch over Kevin. It was a great week of football. It was great to see the players out there. It was even great to see fans in a stands or two. The home dogs, it helped in that stance.
2: But, Kevin, what was your biggest takeaway of week one? So, obviously, when we're looking at this through the betting lens, everybody is going to have their different opinions. I approach this year from, I think, a unique perspective, probably to a lot of people, because I consider this just really my second time betting the NFL slate week to week to week. Obviously ah. we've been, I've been following the NFL my whole life but in terms of legitimately following these lines intensely every single week. and the one thing is there were lessons that I were that I was able to learn last year that helped me. We talked yep. about Washington football team taking on the Philadelphia Eagles about how nah listen, I don't know if that's a game I'm gonna want to be involved in and that's a game last year that I, I beg you, Dane, please, can we just skip over? I don't want to talk about hmm. it. It would have absolutely run me dry. There's other, you know, there's just a couple of other spots where yeah. you go, ah, that line looks this way, it goes this way. You think about the Seahawks ultimately flipping to dogs with the yeah. inverse of the Rams flipping to favorites and those playing out in completely different ways. So I, I felt as if it was, you know, I don't think there was maybe one overarching lesson, but I think for you know people that have been doing this year over yeah. year, I think there's a lot of things that you can, at the game's end, after we've played the full 60, kind of look at it and go, yeah, you know what, that does make sense. Or, oh, I can't believe I was looking at it this way, when obviously this is always going to be the result. Yeah, you know,
1: I think that is very interesting, Kev, you know, on pro football today, our Sunday morning show, I do a different segment each week, like on one of these sharp angles, you know, and I think those are sometimes the ways where Kev, uh, the recreational better, right? Or the, like you said, you're not doing it week to week, and now you are, but back in the day, the public doesn't, right? And, and, And you mentioned the Washington football team. I think about Jacksonville as a seven-plus-point home dog, right? Uh, Everyone would be like, ah, Indy's going to go in there easily right? Or, ah, Philly will go in there easily. But these are the kinds of things that do in fact happen. Like, does a divisional matchup stay close, you know? And you have to give some of those the credence that they are due. And I think following those trends, understanding those lines, understanding line movement, Kevin, is another thing, right, to see and to really put actual stock in because those trends are there for a reason. And the Sharps, are sharp for a reason for me kev you know i always look at that fantasy angle and kev i have been saying this to you the entire off season, ever since in the draft when multiple teams brought in extra running backs into their stable right as we welcome in our radio audience from around the country including out west on the mightier 1090 thanks for waking up early with us here on the early line but i think that was the case as well kev you know four teams had their quarterback lead them in rushing in Baltimore with Lamar and Arizona with Kyler and Buffalo with Josh Allen and Cam Newton doing his thing in New York we talked about the idea of the bell cow versus like kind of the timeshare versus the committee and there were committees left and right even with guys that we had never talked about being legitimate parts of the committee there were other teams that had quarterbacks as a legitimate part of a committee Joe Burrow comes to mind for something like that. Mitchell Trubisky comes to mind for something like that as well. And 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 Kev, there were zero players in the NFL on Sunday that rushed for 100 yards. Meanwhile, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones are putting up over 150 yards. The league's leading receiver? will have more yards than the league's leading rusher this year and that is a testament to kind of the evolution of this game as we talk about it i also want to ask you what do you think about the lack of fans What do you think about, like, the idea that, you know, a lot of the sideline reporters were like, you can hear everything. On the Sunday night game, (laughs) Collinsworth made the point that the hard count was a little harder, and they drew the Cowboys off sides a couple of times. You could hear the calls. Um, Maybe there wasn't that, you know, energy. So the players saying they have to make that energy themselves. I thought that part was interesting.
2: Yeah, so... um... It didn't impact me as a viewer. I will say this: be aware, we now have two and zero home straight up in ATS for teams with fans in the stands because they kept yes. making the point that the Jags were the only team with fans in the stands, yes. and we know the Chiefs took care of business. So I don't know if there's something to it, but it's worth noting that that right now is an unbeaten trend of bodies in the crowd. Making the difference potentially for their teams. You know what, Kevin? One thing that you just said here I
1: think needs to be the overarching thing. I don't know if it's a trend yet. And that's my biggest advice for you people after week one. Don't think everything you saw in week one is a trend or else you'll get caught in week two. We'll break it down when we come back here on the early line Welcome back in, everybody, right here on to Sports Grid and the Early Line. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. Kevin, we got so much to talk about, so let's dive on in. Because honestly, Kev, we've been saying it. There's a reason out here in the sports world today is known as Overreaction Monday. Okay, so let's try to slice through it all as we go game by game. And I really want to find out, Kev, out of the things that happen, what do you think is real what can we start to hang our hat on and what do you think is just all right cool that was week one because kev do you agree with me though that you know a lot of times people see big week one performances or poor week one performances or this name from out of nowhere that's the fourth wide receiver and like oh i gotta get this guy and i really believe today kevin it is our duty to preach patience to people and to not necessarily overreact unless of course you're overreacting to whatever cam newton was wearing at the podium i understand that but as far as what we saw are you with me kev that we gotta like you know we gotta cut through it and see what's actually sustainable
2: absolutely right uh, we don't want to take this week as gospel i think where it gets really interesting, though, is when something you saw in week one backed up your expectations. And that Fair. was case okay. for me in the Sunday night game. Okay, so let's
1: go there in the Sunday night game. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams christen that new stadium. And then, while there were no fans in the stands, that new stadium looks pretty dope. Kev with the damn pond out in front. They're gonna be hosting the Olympics and all that. The Rams get that W 20 to 17. In this one, I know a lot of people were excited coming in about the rookie Cam Akers, right? For these Los Angeles Rams, and he did his thing. 14 carries, only 39 yards. It was carries, but Malcolm Brown, Kev, led the team in rushing, led the team in attempts, and they were feeding. They were feeding Robert Woods early. I'm looking to see who's getting the ball, who are the priorities.
2: It looked like a lot of Woods early and a lot of Malcolm Brown late. Malcolm Brown's rushing prop is the single prop that I am the most interested in for next week. Uh, I kept telling you that this for me was a Dane Martinez special. Hey. Cam Akers over under 40 and a half rushing yards, which is a fine number, just misses out on it. But Malcolm Brown, who was listed as the starting back, was an over under of 28.5 rushing rushing yards and he comes away with 79 yards now two touchdowns wow okay his efficiency in that work was obviously great but he's always getting over 28 and a half rushing yards with 18 carries and this kind of split in the backfield doesn't surprise me because i've told you this all off season you've been saying Mm -hmm. listen malcolm brown's a part and i've been telling you daryl henderson is not i believe he's a little banged up but i just think that they were completely out on him and that's why they took cam Akers to be a part hmm. of this fold i cannot wait to see how the book adjusts on the malcolm brown prop they got caught so off guard by his yeah. performance at the half they refused to repost his numbers for live player props
1: yeah, uh, that is interesting to me. You know, I have talked about this rookie-veteran balance in terms of public perception, and that's where the money goes. That's where the draft picks go, and, you know, it could lead to that. Talk to me about this Dallas Cowboys offense. Our producer, Venmo Brian, in the back is like, Michael Gallup didn't push off, but I want to ask you about the balance of, like, targets and carries here. It is clear Amari Cooper is the alpha dog. Five for Lamb, three for Gallup. They spread it around Zeke, looked a little bit more more involved in the passing game as well unfortunate to note blake jarwin went down for the cowboys in this one and it looked like a serious injury how do you think the uh passing pie for the cowboys looked
2: i mean ultimately amari cooper being the guy that he trusts the most makes sense though cd lamb looked really good in his work zeke was zeke scored twice, that was plus 410 for him to get into the back of the end zone, and it was minus 145 for him to do it just once, Uh, and it Mm. was a pretty impressive game from him in that respect. But this is what I talk about when we're saying kind of had expectations confirmed. The Dallas Cowboys lost this same exact game every single time last year, and that's why they ended up missing out on the playoffs in what was an underwhelming NFC East. And the expectations was this year, things were supposed to change. A lot of people will lead their shows today. Should McCarthy have kicked the field goal? Yes or no? I don't care about that. That's not the point. You want to be aggressive. That offense should be able to pick up three yards. Fine. They didn't. The problem with this team is they never seem to pull the right strings. They don't know when to kick the field goal, when it's time to kick the field goal. They don't know when to go for it, when it's time to go for it. That offense, listen, I've told you a number of times, the Rams are a team that I am higher on than most. They went out there, they played a really good game, and they probably could have scored more if It dictated that, but the Dallas Cowboys coming away with 17 points is not acceptable for the offensive talent that they have. Next week, they're going to play the Falcons. They'll probably put up 40 in Jerry World, and then everybody will be real excited again on them, but this is the same exact thing that they did last year. They lost this game 10 times out of 10, and now they've lost it one out of one to start the next season, even though Jason Garrett is no longer there.
1: Yeah, uh, back on the Rams side, last point, the Rams as a team ran the ball 40 times last night, which is a big number. heard Collinsworth make the point about that offensive line being different than last year. That could be a critical
2: thing. You got one more thing on this game? Yeah, Yeah, I just wanted to say, because I I almost forgot to mention, though, everything that I'm saying, it ended up people started to feel the same way. You and I talked about the Dallas Cowboys being field goal favorites. For almost yeah, the entirety of moved. the time. Eventually bought down to two and a half. And then my jaw hit the floor as I was wrapping up, you know, in-game live. And getting ready to, you know, pass it over to Cam Stewart and George Kirchner. As I saw that the Rams had moved to favorites of one and a half points at the FanDuel Sportsbook. People started to sell, sell, sell on the Dallas Cowboys. And that, to me, was because this is what they did, again, all of last year. So I just thought that was incredibly interesting to see yeah. the Cowboys ultimately not even close as the favorite as people started to think about this game a little bit more. Because there's, I mean, look, if there's a public team on God's green. It's the Dallas Cowboys, right? The fact that as we got closer to game time, the Rams came away as one and a half point favorites. it You know, when you kind of talk about sharp money and big bettors, clearly yeah. they were selling on Dallas.
1: Yeah. The big money came in against America's team going into that Sunday night football game. Kev, I know we got a break, but let's start talking about what I thought was kind of the marquee game on the slate, at least in terms of yesterday's action. Right. When two of the kind of Hall of Fame quarterbacks, they put up graphics. They're one and two in the NFL all time in a number of categories. We're talking about the New Orleans Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who everybody wanted to see Everybody thought would be exciting. I got to tell you something. I think the consistency, the familiarity of the Saints did hold true here today. I thought the Bucs' offensive line crumbled a few times. I thought there was a couple of plays where there was a lack of chemistry for the Buccaneers. And by the way, Kev, we had Dr. Chow on on Pro Football today before. And he said, listen, Mike Evans is active. Mike Evans is healthy. But if you know—not healthy, but if you know his history— with Marshawn Lattimore, he may be out there just to kind of occupy the ego of Lattimore as a decoy. And I think that did play out. One catch, only like three targets. He did get in the end zone, but it was a little guy at the goal line. So I actually think that played true. And that makes it harder for me to understand, really, what can I take from what I saw
2: in this debut of the new-look Bucks offense. Well, I think the big thing is the number two, not two, touchdowns. Two interceptions, one mm. of them for a pick six. That's yeah. Jameis Winston's special, baby. That's, that's it, it, it And they is, were, both on, and oh, they were yeah. both on Brady.
1: Oh, they were both on Brady.
2: Buck's team didn't skip a beat. Buck's team didn't skip a beat with Tommy B stepping in. Yeah. I expect him to be better. But it did fill into the narratives of Brady, new offense, new system, just that same chemistry possibly not there. And I think that's very interesting to see will people start to take a step back from Tampa Bay after this performance next week they're going to host the Carolina Panthers that let the mm. Oakland Raiders travel and get into the 30s so the expectations for Brady and his bucks next week might just be the 30s high you know or even the 40s yeah. they're going to need to deliver It'll be interesting to see how confident people are in them doing just that after this, I would say, underwhelming debut.
1: It was an underwhelming debut. And remember, all season or preseason, offseason, I was saying if Tom Brady is an elite game manager, they change that record. Well, if they were an elite game manager in that game, the Bucks might be 1-0. We'll talk more about this one when we come back. But first, let's hear everything that went on in the news update Welcome back here, everybody, to the early line right here on Sports Grid. We welcome back in our radio audience from around the country as well. Kev, this kind of marquee game, the national game in the four o'clock window, Saints Bucks. I think there's still a little bit more to talk about on the Saints side. We understand that, you know, the Bucks were sloppy, maybe a little bit right out the gate. Tom Terrific did not perform as the GOAT with the pick six and another turnover. That is not going to get the job done. Like you said, Jameis Winston could have done that. On the Saints side, though, Kev, I think there's some interesting uh, nuggets in this stat line, you know. What are you intrigued by more? The fact that Latavius Murray outcarried Alvin Kamara, the fact that Michael Thomas only caught 3 balls for 17 yards and in fact Jared Cook looks like maybe a legitimate kind of second receiving option or the fact that Michael Thomas left the game at the very end and would not let trainers look at his
2: ankle leaving the locker room after the game just uh, kamara stood out to me because it was a very odd performance 12 carries for 16 yards you'd want better though it felt like a lot of those came in the red zone he had the one touchdown almost came away with a second as alvin kamara was looking to single-handedly run it up on the box which we'll see how that ends up coming back to bite him then had a garbage time 38 yard Trick play catch from Taysom yeah. Hill. Yeah. What was
1: that when running out the clock, the trick pad, like back to Taysom Hill,
2: and then a trick, like, yo, Bruce Arians is going to remember that. Everyone's going to remember that. Wild move from the Saints. But Alvin Kamara, like, the touchdown regression that was expected from him started to come over the final weeks of last season and picked right back up where we left off this year. I think he's very viable to lead a league in total touchdowns. Obviously that does not include quarterbacks. And I think the start that he got off here, he is going to be, I think the touchdown guy, though there could be some concern if, if Lat Murray's legit going to outcarry him on a week to week basis. Yeah.
1: A lot of the stuff you get from Kamara is in that receiving game and he did well there. I believe he had five catches, something like 50 yards and he got into the end zone via the receiving game. So we'll keep our eye out on how all of this looks. Kev, Woo! 77 points were scored in the empty dome in Minnesota. The Green Bay Packers 43 to 34 over Minnesota. Remember how I was talking about how you know the league's leading receiver may be better than the league's leading rusher? Well, Devontae Adams. Kev, 14 catches, 156 yards, and two touchdowns. I've been wondering, will it be Marquez Valdez-Scantling? Will it be Alan Lazard, who's kind of like this number two? Well, I'm going to tell you something. If Devontae Adams gets 14 grabs a game, it don't matter, brother. Adams is the only thing you need to worry about. And Aaron Rodgers, looking good, 364 yards, four touchdowns, putting it up 44 times in this one.
2: Rodgers was talking, uh, I believe it was with Pat McAfee, about his arm, saying it was the first time it wasn't dead coming into the season in Ferks uh, in six mm. years. Well, if that's true, and then it's followed by this performance, whoa, whoa! Because Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers is going to go out there and maybe flirt with an MVP. Now, this is a spot that does feel very classic overreaction. Looking ahead, ah. they play the Detroit Lions next week. They're going to be home. Classic. There's no way they don't run them out of the building. But right. Rogers looking that good is not insignificant to me. What Devontae Adams did legitimately does feel repeatable on a week-to-week basis. Not to that level, because then he's going to shatter every record that's ever existed. (laughs) But him being a double-digit target floor kind of guy is absolutely in line with what I would expect from this team. And I'm just going to make this point to tie it in with the Dallas Cowboys. Mike McCarthy left Green Bay, and they responded by going 13-3 and going to the NFC title game. They then come here and open their season by going to Minnesota and running them out of their own building. I know everybody wants Mike McCarthy to be the guy that once went to a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, but I think we all kind of lost sight of the fact that it was an underwhelming tenure probably for him as it pertains to his run with Rodgers, as people could not believe they didn't get back to the Super Bowl. So here's Matt LaFleur, continuing to get the job done in Green Bay, putting results on the board.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting when you – Sometimes, Kev, and I, and your point is well taken, right? Sometimes I find it hard when you say like, you know, under the tenuous Aaron Rodgers when they only got one Super Bowl or that Drew Brees only got one Super Bowl, right? That is a little tough for me because of how damn hard it is to get all the way to the promised land with the confetti falling down. But your point is well taken. And as time goes on, we'll see truly, you know, kind of was he, uh, Did Aaron Rodgers take him to even getting one or was Mike McCarthy really that level of coach? We will find that out. You know, I think you make an interesting point about this being a candidate for overreaction theater, right? And you talk about next week in week two. Well, you say next week in week two, they're going to see the Detroit Lions. They're going to see a Detroit Lion team that's oh and one because in this division they were at home but lost to the chicago bears 27 to 23. this was kev this was a weird game to me i don't like what was your biggest takeaway from this one what did you see here for me honestly the fact that adrian peterson still has some gas left in the tank
2: dane my my absolute great friend dane yes sir i'm not massive in the I told you so game. But if there's but? one spot I was going to pull it out, it'd be Matt Patricia blowing a game that he absolutely shouldn't be able to blow and AP getting being the lead bug in this Detroit Lions backfield. Come on. This is what we said, man. This it is, is what we said. Trusting this dude is a fool's errand. He's a terrible head coach. He let Mitch Trubisky put up. He's a defensive head coach. Like, that's the point. He's supposed to be able to captain good defenses. I get it they're banged up. There's also, he's not uh, like, not guilty for the fact that we have Darius Slay in Philadelphia and he's no longer Mm. there in Detroit. This is Mitch Trubisky. I don't care what the secondary looks like for him to be able to go out there and put a three touchdowns on your head in the fourth quarter. This is an unacceptable performance from them. As much as I am telling you next week, it could be an overreaction spot. It's still Matt Patricia, so anything under a touchdown will feel light to me. And he ain't let AP go out there and be the lead dog. Now, to AP's credit, real good in his work. But that's unacceptable.
1: So let me ask you this. Is it Matt Patricia's fault that DeAndre Swift drops an obvious touchdown catch to win the game at the end?
2: Ultimately, no. That's not his fault. But I would still tell you Dane that they cannot let the Chicago Bears run 21 unanswered off on them when he is supposed to be a great defensive mind. You're not supposed to be in that spot when you're up 23 to 6 in your own building.
1: All right, fair enough. Uh, David Montgomery, who was questionable going into this game, was out there, led the team in rushing with 64 yards. And I got to tell you something, Anthony Miller looked decent in this one as well. He was the leading receiver for the Chicago Bears a couple yards more than Allen Robinson, and his touchdown catch was a tremendous play. What do you think now, now that you have seen one game played in this division, right? Beforehand, a lot of people thought, oh, the Lions could surprise people. That was like a sexy choice, you know, to maybe come out and be in this division. You're not big on the map, Patricia. I believe, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. I believe you and I both leaned Minnesota here in this division. And now what Green Bay has, though, Kev, think about it. They have a road win in the division against the team who was probably thought of as the other contender, there. This is a big win in the back pocket of
2: Green Bay right out the gate. Yeah, I, I was. If I ultimately had to pick a division winner, I would have went with the Green Bay Packers. I, I believe that's what I did when we did our roster reset. I made note okay. uh, of where they were positioned. In the terms of pricing before that game, because we said there was going to be a big move, we said this months ago, and it was you know it's not some crazy take. There was going to be a big move in that division after week one. The Green Bay Packers go from plus one ninety to plus one fifteen. Minnesota is sat there at two forty, and everybody's Detroit Lions is now down to plus nine fifty. You cannot overstate the value of that win that Green Bay just put in their back pocket.
1: Alright, fair enough. Kevin, you know, I said I want to talk about the AFC East next. We only got a couple of minutes. That may be enough time to talk about the damn New York Jets, who defecate the mattress, as most people expected, against the Buffalo Bills. The Bills get a win 27-17. to I'm a Jets fan, so I have that, like, kind of scar against me, but... In all honesty, the way to probably talk about this game is Josh Allen leading the team in rushing with 57 yards, him throwing for 312 extra yards, the defense looking good. The one thing I will say, Kev, is Josh Allen cannot against better teams that they will see. He cannot turn the ball over like that. Another couple of times where he's running and is careless with the ball, losing fumbles like that. For me, that's the only thing this team needs to clean up. They looked good, albeit against an opponent that people don't expect much out of. And Le'Veon Bell did head to the locker room with a hamstring injury.
2: Yeah, Lev Bell being hurt was a shame. He was completely dominating the workload in that backfield when he was still healthy over Frank Gore. I look at the Jets. You know, They went over their team total. I know I 17 I- points is light, but... They're still playing that Bills defense in Buffalo, albeit probably a garbage-time touchdown that doesn't inspire a ton of confidence. They have one of, to me, the most interesting matchups next week. They're going to host the San Francisco 49ers. Classic. That team can't go down 0-2 spot. The Niners, everybody's going to be loving them. Laying about it, probably a touchdown on the road. Interesting spot next week for the Jets. Bills look really good. Josh Allen putting up the work. Mm-hmm. Stefan Diggs, welcome addition.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, you talk about they did go over their team total. It was a one-yard plunge at the end of the game and one play for Jamison Crowder, right, where he broke a couple of tackles on a way to a 70-yard touchdown. We'll talk about this and the other game in the AFC East when we come back.
3: This is SportsGrid.
1: Get on the grid.
3: I want to use this as an opportunity to kind of rehash that if Lowry's hurt for a significant period of time, the Raptors are not the best team in the bubble. They need him to be good. But at full strength, this team has no hold. There's not one part of this team where I'm like, yeah, they really need to improve this part of their game to get over the hump. They are ready to win a title right now today as constructed despite losing their best player last year. The Sports Grid Network. Fantasy Sports Today. This is about as good as it gets. And if you take a look, Joe, Dwayne Wade, uh, Steph Curry, and all kinds of NBA players weighing in on this. Manu Ginobili also uh, having things to say. There's Dwayne Wade's tweet yesterday just Mm -hmm, basically mm -hmm. going off and saying great things about him. There's no doubt that the NBA has taken notice. This is the next great player in the league.
0: Welcome back in, everybody. Right here on the early
1: line, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And Kev, we're talking about Jets Bills right now. I think the Bills look good. We knew their defense would be there. You're right. The Jets got a couple of, they, they got a garbage time score at the end of the game to make it a little bit look better, right? And the Jameson Crowder play, remember, that was like a short pass that he then broke three tackles on to go 70 yards. There was very little offense outside of that. But let's talk about the Bills because they deserve billing here, no pun in intended kev there was you know there was a lot of uh wonder about what would this offense look like in the next year for josh allen with stefan diggs as a number one receiver and like honestly man this josh allen running is something that's going to be important Stephon diggs does his thing and that allows all these other guys right the Browns, the Beasleys, even the Dawson Knoxes of the world, the Zach Mosses out of the backfield, to start to play their role. I think this offense now has, like, all the elements it needs to do well
2: in 2020. Josh Allen is really interesting. I feel as if this offense, in a way, they'll, you know, him throwing the ball 46 times in a game that they controlled is a lot. I feel like they are very comfortable dropping him back and living with the result. Those were not Mm -hmm. 14 designed runs. And I think they're aware that there's a decent chance he'll take off on, you know, a decent number of of his dropbacks. And that's exactly what he did. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. if you take the 46 and the the 32 um, attempts plus rushing you uh, know, 60 of the 78 belonging to Josh Allen. That is a monster, monster number. And I'll just make this one other point. Stefan Diggs, nice debut, eight grabs on nine targets for 86 yards. John Brown, though, gets one more target than him, only six receptions, but 70 yards and a touchdown here. I think John Brown's a guy. And you want to see it after one week. It'll be interesting where they post those numbers. But what does he look like in the props market? Because Josh Allen does feel like a guy where familiarity will be important to him. John Brown was an excellent wide receiver last year for this Buffalo Bills team. And he is the guy that has that big yardage play in him anywhere where he can get you over or at least near the number in one rep as it is. So John Brown might be a guy who, on a week-to-week basis, can be very interesting in the props market.
1: That is interesting. We will also definitely keep our eye on the Le'Veon Bell injury and how we might adjust in that backfield. Listen, there were a lot of hammies last, yesterday, Kev. And I asked Dr. Chow about this. I was like, could this be a function of, um, The fact that we didn't have the preseason, that we had this unique start, right, and we're going to see these soft tissue injuries. We talked about it with starting pitchers at the beginning of the Major League Baseball season, and there were a lot of hammies and a lot of injuries, as you see on the screen now. For Buffalo, uh, we'll see how it plays out. When you say they're comfortable with the result, the only thing I'll say, Kev, is he does – He's careless with it a little bit. He fumbled again yesterday. Okay. And so for me, if I'm the head coach, if I'm McDermott, I'm not comfortable with the result unless he knows he needs to, you know, protect the ball a little bit better. Will it matter week one against the Jets? Maybe not, but somewhere down the road, think about that damn playoff game against Houston where he was carelessly running right at that level. It will start to matter. But Kev, a lot of people, are already banged out of their survivor pools, Kev. A lot of people were like, oh, you know what? I'll take a road favorite in the division, no problem. And if you took that road favorite in the division, you probably lost. And because here's why, Kev, with that, you still don't know what game I'm talking about, the road favorite that went in there and lost. This time, I'm talking about the Indianapolis Colts who went into Jacksonville, where there were fans in the stands, Kev and the home dog. Got it done. The Jacksonville Jaguars, who apparently are tanking for Trevor, are now 1-0 and because they beat the Colts 27-20. to I got to ask you, what was the biggest piece of this game for you? For me, you know, Marlon Mack left this game with an injury and they fear the worst. I, I wonder how it changed. When he was out, but I don't want to take away credit for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They got the job done, Gardner Minshew, with three passing touchdowns. And the kid that we didn't believe, that was like who? James Robinson, 62 yards in his debut.
2: Buy or sell, Gardner Hmm. Minshew is too good of a quarterback for the Jaguars to be as bad as everybody says they're going to be. Um, I sell that. Well, I don't know, Dane. Nineteen and twenty and three touchdowns. He performed Yeah, I mean that's official. Of last season, Minshew Mania. By the way, like the thing is, it wasn't created because in spite of losing, like they were winning football games, and this is a win that you you can't brush off. And I'm not saying that you are, but the Indianapolis Colts were meant to be everybody's darling. Phillip Rivers, Mm -hmm. this offensive line, this team is going to produce. And maybe the Colts ultimately got a little overrated. Maybe it's just a week one. Oh, wow. Caught you by surprise. But Gardner Minshew's produced to this point in his career. Quarterbacks take leaps in year two. I don't know. I never felt super comfortable about the notion that this team was going to be 1-15. in The defensive talent is not there. And I'm like, there is almost, you got Josh Allen out of Kentucky entering year two and Miles Jack. And outside of that, there's not a lot of guys on that defense that you really trust to do anything of note. But Garner Minshew is produced to this point in his career. I cannot pretend that I am floored by this result. Good up, you know, old Phillip Rivers throwing two to the wrong team makes yeah. sense. It does,
1: and we talked about this. Phillip Rivers throws those YOLO balls up. He did throw another two picks, and uh, for me, Kevin, I'm not going to still hang my hat on this, but I never remember this. We also, or at least we never said the Jaguars were going to go Oh, and 16, if you truly like that, there was a bet out there that you can make. I, in fact, remember when we were talking about like season win totals being like, uh-uh-uh. we all thought Miami was going to go winless last year and they went over their number. Right. So you do talk about that and quote unquote tanking happens in the front office doesn't happen with the players on the field Gardner Minshew is not like yo let's get Trevor Lawrence up in here right they're gonna try clearly I do want to ask about Indianapolis because Kev I think my number one waiver claim of the week may be on the Indianapolis Colts while it is bad to see and it was horrible to see a serious injury happen in week one and we unfortunately think that is what happened to Colts starting running back Marlon Mack, who went down after being pretty productive early on. I know everyone loves Jonathan Taylor, right? But what did we talk about, Kev? We talked about the balance of rookie and veteran. We also both agreed that the most stable, the most consistent, the best piece of this running back room may in fact be Naheem Hines. And I got to tell you something, Kev, this is something that looked Right to me. We know Philip Rivers in the past dumps it off a lot to the backs. Think about Austin Eckler last year. Think about backs in San Diego when it was San Diego and how Philip Rivers likes that. And when I see Naheem Hines with eight grabs include, and some touchdowns and now a bigger piece of the pie opening up with the Mac injury, give me all the Naheem Hines, Kev.
2: Yeah, I think that's understandable. Um, ask Austin Eckler fantasy drafters and DFS players how much they miss Phillip Rivers because of how often he targets the back. Because it wasn't just Naheem Hines, oh, that's your receiving back. Marlon Mack had three receptions in the limited amount of time that he played. Jonathan Taylor had six receptions for yeah. 67 yards, by the way, on six targets in this game as well. I think Naheem Hines being a consistent part of this team, It you know, sometimes... You, want, you don't want to get caught in the easy comparison, but calling Jonathan Taylor Melvin Gordon and Naheem Hines Austin Eckler is something that mm. I I understand the... You're okay with doing? And it, yeah, no, it, I mean, it doesn't feel like it's too far off. Although, Jonathan Taylor now... And listen, you know, people who drive to Jonathan Taylor, whatever, you want to take a victory lap, okay. You weren't right. Marlon Mack is gone. Ah. But you do get to benefit off of that now because he is going to, to be a big part of this pie. Another spot Mm -hmm. cannot wait to see what they do with Jonathan Taylor's rushing numbers. And also, a little bit surprising, but the better way to attack it could be rushing plus receiving.
1: Yeah, no, I think that is a very good point, okay? Here is something that I do not think we're overreacting to, okay? They brought in Philip Rivers. Frank Reich brought in Philip Rivers for a reason, and then they went out and drafted the running back. They built out their offensive line. Right. This is, I believe, how they want to play. Um, You know, Philip Rivers just can't keep on turning it over, and they did lose one of their horses. Now, Kev, I'm going to try to be gentle on this next one, but we talked about, you know, the home dogs. We talked about a team going in on a division game and why eh, that might be a little fishy to just automatically assume. And the football team got a W Kev Washington over Philadelphia 27 to 17. I know you are very plugged into this. I want to understand what you think was the biggest thing I'll give you for me. You can't Carson went throwing two picks and getting sacked Kev eight Times this Washington defensive front is something that's gonna cause some havoc for a few teams. Now, I know Lane Johnson was out, right? And that's a big deal for the Eagles, but this Washington front with first round picks and like Ohio State Alabama dudes all over it, eh, there's a reason those guys are number one overall picks.
2: Look, there's a lot of talent there, but they're going up against no Lane Johnson, no Brandon Brooks. No Andre Dillard. Guess what? Lane Johnson's backup, Driscoll, leaves the game hurt too. Injury regression is a myth. This stuff will never come back. There's no Miles Sanders in this game. There's no Ashawn Jeffrey in this game. It's the same thing. Now, I told you coming into this game, I wanted Washington to play anybody other than you Philly. You wanted and to bet Washington I in week one. Washington, right? Yep. I was never going to actually bet against the Eagles. I don't care i can show discipline by not betting on them i will never bet against the eagles that's not going to happen the frustrating aspect of this is that they were up 17 nothing carson wise looked like he was going to sleepwalk to an mvp season to start this game and then everything fell apart and i'd be lying if i could tell you i knew what happened because i don't know what happened two interceptions a fumble it was all a disaster And the the offensive line injuries might have caught up to them. Take a look at Carson Wentz, just record wise, with and without Lane Johnson. Without Lane Johnson, yep, yep, needs Lane Johnson on his side. This is a loss where I I can't pretend to feel overly emotional about it. It's frustrating, right? And I appreciate you, you know, kind of tiptoeing around and not not wanting to, you know, twist what's already. uh, You're my boy, bro. You're my boy. I ain't trying to make you hurt that, but like. (laughs) The injuries like that ruined the last year for me and allowed me to get excited for a playoff game for literally five minutes before Wentz left the game allowed me to never even get over the moon about this game coming into it. And it's just a frustrating loss, but credit to Washington. And I just hope that by season's end, if it's not going to be the Eagles, I get to take the all-time world's longest victory lap <laughs> on being the only person in the world that suggested the Washington football team might win the NFC East.
1: Well, the Washington football team is the only team with a win so far in that division, as we'll talk later in the show, the New York football giants, as dogs will strive there. Listen, I a lot of people, Kev, don't look at the offensive line or the trenches at what as what can win or lose the battle when you look at a box score. Those eight sacks... The turnovers, the pressure they get on Wentz could be a problem all season long. We'll talk more games when we come back.
3: This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid.
2: The morning after.
3: I want to use this as an opportunity to kind of Rehash that if Lowry's hurt for a significant period of time, the Raptors are not the best team in the bubble. They need him to be good. But at full strength, this team has no hope. There's not one part of this team where I'm like, yeah, they really need to improve this part of their game to get over the hump. They are ready to win a title right now, today, as constructed, despite losing their best player last year. The Sports Grid Network. Fantasy sports today. This is about as good as it gets. And if you take a look, Joe, Dwayne Wade, uh, Steph Curry, and all kinds of NBA players weighing in on this. Manu Ginobili also uh, having things to say. There's Dwayne Wade's tweet yesterday, just basically mm-hmm. going off and saying great things about him. There's no doubt that the NBA has taken notice. This is the next great player in the league. The sport.
1: Welcome back here, everybody, to the early line. And listen, it is a, you know, week one. We're doing the kind of, you know, deconstruction of it, overreaction Monday. But, Kev, real quick, I do want to make a point here. We will have another game seven in the NBA playoffs, the Denver Nuggets. Let me tell you something, man. Jamal Murray in that heart. They were down by almost 20 points at the half. Outscored the Clippers by about 15 in the third quarter. Outscored the Clippers by about 15 in the fourth quarter as well. Jamal Murray would not let them die. Nikolai Jokic hitting circus threes off of one foot. I... You have to be impressed with this team, Kev, coming off the mat down 3-1 to Utah. They're down 3-1 to the Clippers, down 15 points at halftime of an elimination game, and they are still breathing, Kev.
2: You know, it's one of those things yesterday as you kind of send the tweet to give them respect. You're like, am I giving you respect for not quitting in a conference semifinals? But you know what? Yes, I am. Down 3-1 to the Jazz. You fight back. You were the better team, and you knew it. Awesome job. Jamal Murray, you know, felt like he took this leap and and was absolutely sensational. And then they respond to your, now down 3-1 to the Clippers. Title favorites at the time. I don't think a lot of people really would have batted an eye had that series got done in five. And yet, here we are again going to a game seven. Jokic, maybe the best player in the series, performance-wise. 34-14-7 jamal murray with a very efficient at 21 michael porter jr mr big shot himself keeps stepping up but dane i love denver this is great fun what a nice time but come on get these clowns out of here are you kidding me with these boys of 3-1 the lakers the rockets the fourth favorite to win the title all year and the Lakers had them in the Boston Crab, Walls of Jericho, sharpshooter, crossface, and an STF all at the half. All five of them begging for mercy. James Harden with trade requests at the break. Westbrook's trying to fight Rondo's brother. The Lakers let yeah. them quit. And the Clippers are like, please, somebody help me. Jamal Murray's going to send me home. Get these clowns out of here, Listen. Man. Doc Rivers has a history of blowing 3-1 leads. all right times in la so we'll
1: talk about it tomorrow when we preview game seven and game one of the eastern conference finals jamal murray also i don't know if you saw it tough fall he was hurt in the game and came back I, i i'll tell you man this guy's heart those nuggets heart are something you want to talk about the clippers but that is something to behold as well more football when we come back